Episode 49, my conversation with Miranda Vieira of Denver Legal Marketing. I'm Michael D. Eisenberg. I'm the Tech Savvy Lawyer, blogging at the techsavvylawyer.page and host of the techsavvylawyer.page podcast. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing lawyers, judges, and others in the area of law to talk about where they see lawyers new and seasoned, taking advantage of technology in their legal work, and how all lawyers can utilize technology to better their practice, improve their services to their clients, and enhance their own lives. Our next guest is Miranda M. Vieira, owner of Denver Legal Marketing, LLC. She is one of the country's most visible legal professionals with over 20 years of service in the legal community. Miranda enjoys working with solo practitioners and small law firms, helping them attract recognition, promotion, and visibility to their practices. She also advises medium-sized and national law firms on business development and marketing strategy. Enjoy. Miranda, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you being here today. And to get things started, tell us, what is your current tech setup? So I am an Apple girl, an Apple product girl. So I run my entire business off of Apple products, including a MacBook Pro. I have an iPhone, you know, an iPad for when I lecture, you know, I use my iPad also for note taking and things like that. Printer is very simple, just an Epsom and my recording, my videography setup for the classes. Mm -hmm. It's called a Mevo camera. Mevo? M-E-V-O? Yeah. I'm looking at making sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. M-E-V-O. Oh, okay. And I've used that. It was a recommendation from one of my colleagues. And I took that into the classroom when I taught uh, a class on law firm marketing at the undergraduate level, had it set up every single time I taught and the recordings were perfect. So I love it too, because everything is also accessible and downloaded on my phone. So, and does this also include your mic? No, I don't have a current mic right now. So is the mic, is this coming from your computer? The mic? The it's coming from the camera. Oh, right now. Oh, currently, yeah. yeah. Currently it's coming from my computer, but when I record with the Mevo video so- video it's a camera essentially then the, I don't need a micro a separate mic okay well when you're not using that you might want to consider something like the blue yeti which has been yeah, pretty good looks great yeah it's been working great for me the last three years and let's see so you got your iPhone your iPad any other interesting tech items in your office not so much you know it's a, a consulting business is more on the software and the add-ins and things like that than the actual kind of hardware when it comes to tech. So that's all we got. You mentioned that you're taking notes on your iPad. Do you use the iPad pencil? Yeah, I do. Do you know if you have an M1 chip in your iPad? I don't know that. That's okay. a great question. <laughs> uh, if you don't have an M1 chip in your iPad, and although I think the M2 may be coming out soon, if it's not out, out already in the iPad, I would take a look at it. You will notice a great performance improvement uh, using yeah. something like that. So let's get into the questions. What are three reasons attorneys should be on social media and podcasts? So I've broken the this answer up into kind of two buckets because I view social media and podcasting as pretty different monsters or animals when it comes to law firm marketing. So reasons that lawyers need to be on social media are pretty clear. At this point, we still 
qualify it as social media marketing, but it is just marketing in 2022. So the same way that you would vet any opportunities for print or digital advertisement. Otherwise, you should probably consider social media. Top three reasons to use social media for lawyers will always be visibility, networking, and then, you know, depending on the platform they're using would be more referrals. When we're talking about podcasting for lawyers, off the top of my head, the three biggest reasons to um, be a guest on a podcast or even consider starting a podcast would be, you know, this is a fun way to credential your career. Uh, And I think you've mentioned a great example of the award that you are um, up for that is based on on the work you're doing with the podcast. The other reason for an attorney to engage with a podcast would be, you know, for me, I see this, at least when they're being a guest, it's a pretty easy time commitment. It runs pretty quickly. Somebody else is doing the majority of the marketing and and all of that kind of the follow-up, the show notes, things like that. So as a guest, it's pretty easy to engage with podcasting. And then, you know, again, it promotes visibility and promotes networking. So making sure that you're on a podcast that is either going to be shown to your target audience or your target referral audience, or is talking about maybe some subject matter expertise you have. These are really great ways to increase your visibility. And then also, you know, your networking. Excellent. Excellent. I appreciate that. I, you're sort of leading me into a sub question I have, but I think I'm going to ask it after you answer question number two, okay. which is what are three common mistakes attorneys make when on social media and doing podcasts? I think a couple of things on social media. This is again, something that I see as two very different buckets. So pulling apart the first one, social attorneys can frequently make mistakes on social media in lots of ways. But I would say the top three would be infrequent social media engagement. So, you know, starting a LinkedIn profile, but not doing anything with it or not posting things like that. I would say the second mistake would be forgetting that social media moves really quickly. So this is not a time for the treatise on what, you know, what, you know, going off mm-hmm. about something that's very long and it's par it's paragraphs. It's just thick, dense text. Social media is short and it moves really quickly. And so um, forgetting that is the cadence of social media is, is another major mistake. And then I would say the third one would just be not being on LinkedIn. 90% of the lawyers in our country have LinkedIn profiles. And so what I see in this is, is again, either not being on it or, or not truly engaging with LinkedIn because it can be a powerhouse when it comes to attorney to attorney referrals and visibility and all the other things that keep lawyers and law firms fat and fed. But is LinkedIn solely for attorney to attorney referrals? So, cause, yeah. so for instance, you know, I deal with veterans benefits issues in my private practice and I, I don't see the return in my practice area on LinkedIn. So this is, you said veteran benefits? Veterans affairs benefits. In other words, a veteran is entitled to disability benefits from the VA and they're Mm -hmm. denied or they don't get the right rating or they don't get service connection or for whatever reason, uh, they need help with their appeal. And I've never really gotten much, if any, feedback whether it's an attorney saying, hey, I've got someone to refer to you or you know, a veteran saying, hey, I need some help or a military member saying, hey, I need some help. Yeah. And I think, honestly, I, I would look at how you're engaging with that platform. It would never be, I'm here, right? come and shower me with your referrals. It's always right. going to be based on how much you're actually engaging with the platform. So are you involved in 
professional, you know, veterans that are professionals or that there are groups that are related right. to people that have backgrounds in military service. That would be smart to be active okay. in posting in there. I think also connecting with lawyers that don't do what you do, you know, so maybe lawyers that do like ERISA benefits or some other type of benefits that do, there's no crossover, but there there is kind of a commonality where they might get calls. I mm-hmm. would definitely connect with them. And then the last one would be for kind of other referral sources. So there are lots of first responders when it comes to probably veterans needing their benefits. We're probably mm-hmm. talking doctor, you know, people in the medical field, probably people in the mental health field. I mean, there are probably so many players in here. And this is one more way to connect your practice to them. And so uh, LinkedIn suggests that if you post, right? So if you post on your personal page, Monday through Friday, they like once a day. I don't like once a day for lawyers. I think you go into the ignore pile, all right? So if we post, I don't know, maybe three times a week and Mm -hmm. we're posting an 80-20 mix. So 80% is about your audience. It's about how you help and serve Mm -hmm. veterans with your legal services. It's about what's going on in that in basically in your industry, you know, it's all about that, right? 20% can be sales. I'm taking cases in X, Y, and Z area. Congratulations. I just got super lawyers for X, Y, and Z area, things like that. But 80% of what you're posting three to four times a week, you know, LinkedIn has some neat statistics and they suggest that if you post really regularly, and if you have at least 500 contacts, you can potentially reach 60% of those 500 plus Hmm. people. Now that's more visibility than I would gain in a week. You know what I mean? Trying to take everybody to coffee and to lunch and things like that. And I will tell you, there is method to my madness here. This is how I created my marketing firm in Colorado that grew to have a national and at Mm -hmm. times international name. So yeah, it's interesting. It only works if you work at it. You got to be social on social media. And so to answer your the second part of your question regarding podcasts, I think three of the biggest mistakes would be that they don't prepare, <laughs> you know, that they kind of don't look at the background of the person that maybe is running the podcast or the questions or ask questions in advance or tweak the questions so that they are more in line or in tune with what their legal services are or what their expertise is. I would say the second way that they mess up is that they don't promote a podcast appearance or a podcast interview after it's live, I see a lot of my hours done when you just walk away and that's not how it works at all. Again, it's not like I've spoken, the universe is ready to accept me. You got to do more to promote it. And then the last one would be, which is kind of follows up on the promotion would just be to update your CV, your bio on your website, your super lawyer's biography, Martindale Hubble, Avo, all of those types of things when you're on a podcast, even if it's an interview. So. That sort of goes to the question I was thinking about as we started this with question number one. I personally am rather annoyed with all the different social media platforms reviewing attorneys, for -hmm. instance, like Avo, even Martindale and Hull, because there are tens of them, you know, tens to hundreds of them that I just, it's just like, they just seem to be feeding off the fact that I have a business and I can't monitor everyone and I monitor two. Google and Facebook, but to have to monitor everyone else becomes a problem because they want you to join in order to monitor and respond. And two, half of these people, I don't know what on earth they're talking about. And the other half is like, you know, you don't want to worry about engaging with them and starting to cause, you know, bar problems. 
So how do you, how do you handle stuff like that? So I do agree with you that there are a lot of options when it comes to law firm directories. And I think mm-hmm. that's what I'm talking about here. So Avo, Martindale Hubble, Fine mm-hmm. Law, kind of all of right. those. Major super ones, lawyers. Super lawyers, best lawyers in America, all of those types of things. And so I do think that uh, it is smart for lawyers to pay attention for what's online. I know it's a pain, mm-hmm. but I do think it's smart. Maybe once a quarter, even if you don't do it yourself, you can delegate it to somebody else. I definitely do this work for lawyers all over the country. Mm-hmm. Once a quarter, Google yourself and go and take and sign out of everything and go five pages deep and take a good look at what's wrong and what's there because your potential clients, your referral sources, they're going to Google you. You might as well know what they're going to see because you can control it. So I do see those sites as an area that can collect old information, bad information, mm-hmm. kind of some things like that. But to me, it is, it's just kind of a modern way of reputation management to say once a quarter, I need to I need to see what's out there about me and I need to pull down what's wrong. And so But how do you pull down what's wrong? Cuz you just contact them. You just contact them. I you know and I I know it sounds like a pain and it is and that you just have to figure out how to contact them. Usually you can ask it that a profile can be removed. If it can't be removed, usually it can be updated and it sometimes does trigger like you were saying, like you start to get the calls of, do you want to become a member? And now you need this login and now all of that type of stuff. And so I know it's a pain, but I do think it is just part of a modern law practice to really manage your online reputation. And that's part of it, making sure that your law firm name is correctly is correct. Your address is correct. I mean, these directories pull from all over the place. And so I see just a mismatch puzzle kind of pieces of, of information about lawyers that they're pulling stuff from law schools. They're pulling stuff from the first job you had, your clerkships. And so right. being able to just go in there and you got to do a really deep clean once. And then usually after that, it's just maintenance. And so the ones that I personally maintain, the ones mm-hmm. that that are not you know, just kind of like a once a quarter type of check through on Google would be super lawyers. Mm-hmm. Every lawyer that's licensed uh, in the United States is eligible for a free super lawyers profile. And that's a third party validation that holds a lot of weight with consumer based practices, which is what you have, you know, so if you're on a podcast, and if you get an award, or if you have a great case result or something like that, put super lawyers on your list of places to update and to tell about this amazing thing. Same thing. I use Avo in a little bit different of a way. Avo is connected with Martindale now. And so mm-hmm. you have free profiles on both of them, regardless if you pay anything, you have free profiles. And so when you update your Avo one and you you go through, you know, you engage with the algorithm as much as you can, you fill in your law school stuff. I mean, just everything. What's nice about Avo is that, yes, there's a pay-to-play part of it, but there's also a free part of it. So they give you a rank, like a rating. It's 10 out of 10 as a superb, and it's just a nice third-party validation of your practice. So that's how I use Avo because it is going to come up on a Google search for you no matter what. You might as well control it, <laughs> you know, so it says current things and what you, you know, what you want it to. But then how do you address, so let's just say, not one of these, let's just say you get a review or a couple negative reviews from people, whether you're in a dispute with, or 
you don't know, or they're just, you know, full of whatever. And the sites want you to respond to the complaint instead of just quote unquote, removing it. Right. I mean, how do you get them to remove it? Well, this is something that that I talk about more than I would would like to, honestly. It, it really right. is kind of a revenge thing that people do against mm-hmm. lawyers and law firms when they're angry about fees or, I mean, anything yes. in the world, take out your bad day, right? On a Google review. So just to kind of parse these out, when it comes to Google reviews on your Google My Business profile, mm-hmm. there is nothing you can do about that. If somebody goes in there and you have no idea who they are and they give you a one-star review and you have no idea who they've never shadowed right. the door of your business, you can complain about it as much as you want to Google and they are going to stay totally neutral. They don't give you anything, good or bad, when it comes right. to reviews like that. You can't really do much. So usually if it is a client that's or a former client that sends like a nasty gram or an opposing party, usually my first piece of advice is to try to get them to take it down, to contact them, to talk about it with them, to, you know, just because that is probably the, the path of least resistance. If they will not do that, I, I really recommend that you try and bury it. So you try and go to, you know, your last five to 10 clients that you've helped and served, maybe your referral source. I mean, there are so many people that have knowledge of your practice that can also do a Google review. They don't have to be a client that signed a fee agreement with you in order to have feedback about how you behave in the world or how you help and serve people through your law practice. And so by adding positive ones, you bury the negative ones. So people can, you know, when people are looking at it, if they see like 200 awesome ones and one nasty one that makes like, that's just somebody you can tell it's sour grapes, people are able to make that judgment. And they know, you know, that one's probably just somebody being mean, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's just like, in my mind, if they've made a bad review, the last thing I need to be doing is adding fuel to the fire by contacting them and or addressing the issue. Well, and then, well, the last part of it is, is if, you know, you can't get them to take it down, you've got as many nice reviews as you can just to Mm -hmm. kind of balance it out. The last thing to do would be potentially to respond. And so when you are responding, it is not, dear client, I'm angry with, you know, this is all the stuff I did for you. It is you sitting across from a potential client or referral source and you basically talking to them about how you help and serve. So you're responding to this negative review, but it is, I'm sorry that you feel this way. Client service is a big part of our law firm. We have been in business for 20 something years. We have a client coordinator, all of that type of stuff. So you're actually kind of jumping way over them and going you know, to the next client, to the next referral source? What do they need to hear to know you are not that person that they're describing in that bad review? So that's really how I view the Google My Business reviews. People can also review lawyers on Avo and they can also review lawyers on Martindale. And so, you know, on there, I've had dramatically better success getting it just removed. Really? Just by contacting them and asking? Of just saying, you know, this is not right. Uh, this this is the clearly somebody else, this is an opposing party, or they got the wrong lawyer or whatever the circumstance is, what they're able to do is they contact the person. And if the person doesn't respond, they remove it, you know? So they give you, I feel like they give you more options for success when it comes to reviews than almost Google does right now. Excellent. Well, that's interesting to know and good to know, actually. And I hope the listeners get something from that. Well, for our last question, 
What are three simple tech tools, hardware or software, attorneys can use to make their social media podcast appearance shine? So what I like, what I personally use as an owner of a a marketing firm that Mm -hmm. only works with lawyers and law firms, I always use Canva. Canva is really helpful when uh, you're able to go for kind of templated design. And, And what's nice is that they have pre-formatted, you know, LinkedIn, you know, LinkedIn posts that you can customize with your law firm's information, or you can do the same thing for Facebook, you get all over the place. It's just a really great resource. I use it for the blog. I use it for the blog. And quite frankly, I think you're, you're encouraging me now to start using it more for uh, everything, the firm as well. Yeah. Yeah. For the firm, because what's nice for the firm is if you have any sort of collateral materials, Mm-hmm. What you can do is even if you allow a designer, a professional graphic designer access into your Canva, which I do, which I would recommend that they design it under your login. So you right. have access and you can tweak it and you mm-hmm. don't have to pay for every tiny little adjustment. And so Excellent. what's nice is that you can design your own PowerPoint decks. You can do your collateral materials if you wanted to have flyers or brochures or, you know, even geez, like little fun stickers. I mean, you can do so many things through there. I feel like it makes design more accessible to people that are not technically trained in design like myself. (laughs) So Canva is one of them. Uh, Mm -hmm. The next tool would be Animaker. So uh, animated videos are really helpful to kind of bring dense concepts or kind of boring concepts or just kind of things like that to life. And what I like about Animaker is that there are free options and there are paid options, but it's it's a drag and drop software that's pretty darn easy to use. I think I, I taught myself in probably under two hours how to do it. And you can use Animaker animated videos on social media. You can use them uh, in social media advertisement. I mean, I've even seen some, I believe on television commercials where they've got, yeah, where it just, it doesn't have to cost a gazillion dollars. You can do the same thing on YouTube. I mean, there's so many ways to use animated videos to promote a law practice. And then the last, you know, tech tool would be Hootsuite. Uh, Hootsuite automates your social media posts. It, It also gives you pretty darn amazing insight into analytics. And Mm -hmm. when to post, you know, it's going to tell you, should you post this at 1 p.m. or at 3 p.m.? And if you're looking to drive engagement, it's going to tell you what's better for you, you know? And then it's also going to tell you after the day passes how well your post did or didn't do. So I think in in just being a little more return-driven in your marketing and your business development, making sure you've got control over your analytics through tools like Hootsuite is is a big deal. Now I can tell you, I use both Canva and Hootsuite. Canva for the blog and Hootsuite for both the blog and the firm. But I have to ask you sort of the a non-tech question. How do you encourage attorneys to spend time to get their social media postings prepared so that it's done on a regular basis? Couple ways. So the first way is if they're in charge of their own social media, they want to do it themselves either they have time or they don't have the funds available to delegate right. to have somebody else do it. So w- when I look at business development for lawyers, I really look at about four hours a week is what it takes, right? Four hours a week 
for you, probably doing your podcasts, you know, recordings and all of that type of stuff, finding guests, all of that, that four hours is non-billable, but it goes really, really quickly. Right. Mm -hmm. And so some lawyers take that four hours and these, these are not hard and fast rules, but uh, you need some boundaries of, is this 20 minutes or is this four hours a week? And there's a lot you can do with that four hours a week, including planning out one month of social media posts. So if we're talking about three posts a week, and we're only talking about LinkedIn, we're talking about 12 posts. That's not a lot. That's not a lot of time. That's not a lot of energy. It's not a lot of effort. That's probably one hour, right? Of the four that you're supposed to be spending per week. Right. And the nice thing with at least Hootsuite is not only can you have it programmed to go to LinkedIn, but you can have it programmed to go to LinkedIn, Facebook, Gmail, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram, et cetera. And that just, you know, gives you a one-stop shop to just mass send that stuff out. It's just sometimes about, you know, finding that time to make the creations, which is sort of where I was coming. Yeah. And so a couple of things, I think one of the easiest ways to grab content to use on social media content Mm -hmm. that other people write. So clearly we're, we're not trying to put competitors thought leadership on, on your LinkedIn profile, but you know, if you were maybe to use kind of the content aggregator tool that Google uh, what is it called? It's called Google Alerts. So if you personally were trying to do this, what you might do is do a, a Google Alert for updates and veteran benefits, benefit issues, you know, long-term. I mean, there's so many different keywords. Right, tracking. But what's helpful about that is Google is going to, and you can determine how many times you want the digest to come. Is it once a day? Is it once a week? You know, right. that type of stuff. But what's nice about it is it's going to pull everything to you where you just decide what you want to post. And right. next thing you know, half of those 12 posts that you're trying to come up with are done just from right. commenting on articles that were in yep. forums and things yep. like that. So using the technology makes it really helpful. Being able to have a designer, even if, if you don't want to sit in Canva and start designing your, your own things. You can have a designer come in and design maybe like seven or eight templates, right? Mm-hmm. Where all you do is add in new information. So you add in your podcast date that it's going and, and the person that, that it, you are going to interview, but it's a template. It's not right. something creating new every single month. And what's nice is that those are another couple posts that you can put into your month of posting you're creating. So I'll never you know, deny. I'll never deny that it's work, but I but I do think that, you know, it, it is one of those things where it would be like, you know, going to the gym once for 8 hours, that's not enough. You've got to do it consistently. And and it's no different when it comes to your marketing and your business development, especially when we're talking about social media. Don't stick a toe in the water. Do it consistently and right. it will it becomes muscle memory. Exactly. I gotcha. I gotcha. And you know, one of the things uh you talked about Google Alerts. One of the th- programs I use to help sort of organize all this is Pocket. And because the way Pocket works is I can grab an article off the internet, it goes into my pocket feed, and from my pocket feed, it then goes into Hootsuite. So then I can kind of go through the articles in Hootsuite and say, All right, I want I do want to post this one. I want to comment on it, et cetera, and set that out. So it sort of skips a couple of steps for me so that it's all in one spot. Yeah. I mean, those, those integrations, fantastic. And I agree with you. I think the smart lawyers are using integrations and sometimes they find them through Zapier. I mean, there's so many yeah. different yeah. ways to make it one login that does yeah. many things. 
So yeah, you're right. It's all about uh, shortcuts and workflows. It's efficiency and not mm-hmm. recreating the wheel every single month. It's And then also remembering social media moves really quickly. So we're not going back and editing posts from two years ago. Right. <laughs> like we, we have to be really mindful of, of how this opportunity works. And yeah. yeah. Excellent, Miranda. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Where can people find you? Absolutely. So LinkedIn is probably one of the easiest places to find me. And it's just under my name, Miranda Vieira. And then uh, my website for my company is Denver Legal Marketing. And we are Denver and Colorado based, but we are a remote team that works with lawyers and law firms to grow and start practices all over the country. Well, you also mentioned internationally as well. Yeah, I have consulted with lawyers as far as Israel. I mean, it's we are in a relationship-based business and humans are humans. So Excellent. Well, I'll be sure to put all of that in the show notes and more. And again, I want to thank you for being a guest and have a great day. You too. Have a good weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast. Our next episode will be posted in about two weeks. If you have any ideas about a future episode, please contact me at DJ at the TechSavvyLawyer.page. Have a great day and happy luring. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.